by mailing in or making contributions online when you are not in service. We offer three convenient ways to pay online. First, you can add St. Matthews as a vendor on your bank's website. Or you can pay your tithes online at www.stmatthewsbc.org. You can also set up automatic payments through our business office by calling 856-629-4614, extension 2211. We want everyone to join us in Wildwood for our annual beach reach. Save the date, Saturday, July 28th. Enjoy outreach and fellowship, and remember, this is a church-wide event. Bus transportation is available for a non-refundable $5 per person. Please register today at the Ministry Information Desk in the main lobby. Get ready for the youth all day and all nighter for grades 7 through 12. This amazing event will take place on Friday, August 17th to Saturday, August 18th. We will be traveling for go-kart racing, a skating party, Dorney Park, and a late night bowling party. Get your tickets today and bring a friend. A payment plan is available and bus transportation is provided. Register at the youth table in the main lobby. Good morning. In your bulletin, you should have received a survey on our app classes for 2012 through 2013. We want to design classes around topics that appeal to you and for your participation. Please fill out the survey and hand it to the ushers as you leave the sanctuary. Don't forget, if you would like any more information on these announcements, please visit our main lobby. This concludes today's general announcement. Church, say amen. Now, I don't know if you've already observed it. Reverend Jackson, come on up here. It's all right, Barbara. He's free. Somebody's chasing him. So he had to change his identity. Green is next. All right. Praise the Lord. See, what you sow, you reap. I had Ultra Wave in the 60s. I had I had S curls in the 70s. I got no curls. Go to these families. Church, say amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Oh, boy. Praise Jesus. These beautiful, beautiful children. Name? Jaden. Jaden and Jada. Interesting. Okay. Come on in, brother. How you doing? We don't baptize children in the Baptist church, but we do commit them to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring this beautiful bundle of flesh and blood into your presence, praying that they will be saved at a young age, praying that you would order their steps, choose their company, put hedges of protection around them, seize their hearts for Christ, pray for the parents, godparents, grandparents, that you would endow them with wisdom to bring up these children in your nurture and admonition. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Doc. Thank you. All right. Oh, I got enough. That's right. Got two. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Beautiful. Brother, how you doing? Good. Hello. 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. 
Okay. And her name? Micaiah. Micaiah. Oh, that's beautiful. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for Micaiah this morning and her parents, grandparents, godparents, friends, and family. Pray that you would save this young lady at an early age. Bring her to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Order her steps. Choose her friends and surroundings, Lord, and just give her your heart your mind, your will, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's so precious. All right, God just love you, man. Amen. Church, say amen. All right. Now it's offering time. And God loves a cheerful giver. You can't be God-given no matter how hard you try. We're taking a one offering. Our tithes, $15 more to his ministry. What is a tithe? It's a tenth. If you make $300 a week, God's asking for the first $30. $200 a week, God's asking for the first $20. $100 a week, God's asking for the first $10. Amen? And then if you have knockout debt, ask for a gold envelope. And if you miss a Sunday, make it up. The Lord will bless you. Malachi 3 says, I'll take care of your crops, your vision, your seed, your children. He is faithful. Can I get a witness? When you give God what God is asking for, he's faithful. You'll never want for anything. So as our deacons and ushers come, our great young adult choir will sing. Church, say amen.
Can we stand that God's blessings might be invoked upon these gifts? All things. And of thine own have we. Thank God for his blessings and our obedience. Choir. The choir is about, as the choir is about to come, I'm going to ask that all of you would come to Core Wednesdays, 8 o'clock. We're going to do part two, ripped off right rotten fruit. And we're going to be handling some heavy stuff this Wednesday. So 8 o'clock, if you could be here. There's two days a week I'm asking you to come out. Sunday for worship and Wednesday, 8 o'clock for Bible study. You will grow and be liberated. Amen.
Now, God, speak through your word. Thank you for the ministry of music. Convict, convince, if need be convert. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. We greet you in the matchless, miraculous name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And truly God is an awesome God. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. He is a God of the valley and he is a God of the mountains. This morning I want to take a familiar passage of scripture and repackage it. I want to repackage this familiar passage of scripture so that we leave running on new octane. This morning we're in James chapter 1. James, after the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, James chapter 1 and verse 2 and 3 will be the center of my text. We've been here before. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various or diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. This morning, I want to challenge your heart around the subject, connections that causes us to grow. Connections. There is a very mysterious connectivity in the workings of God. One of the most confusing, confounding, and conflictive comprehensions to the believer is their thought processes on trouble. Trouble is typically seen as a burden, a brand, and just a bad situation. However, the Bible sees and uses trouble intertwined with truth and trust to bring transformation. That is, 
God who is all-wise, all-powerful, can take trouble and enter trouble in to the equation and bring triumph out of the equation. Essentially, we're talking about that which goes in and that which comes out. And that's why Paul said, and we know. We're not guessing, we're not calculating, we're not hypothesizing. We know, regardless of our situation, that all things are working together for the good of them who are called and them who are chosen called to his purposes because the income of our circumstances is not the outcome. The outcome is always determined by God. And Throughout God's word, there are connections used by God to comfort, consecrate, and help commit a Christian in growth. Prayer and praise is always connected to purpose. Mm. That, that, that God will linger and let you pray. Yeah. And then as you keep praying and seeing nothing, yeah, God will tell you to praise him. When nothing circumstantially has changed. And it's the prayer and the praise that reinforces purpose. And purpose will call up passion. Passion will call up perspective. Perspective will call up peace. And, 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 and therefore, when God gets finished, you started out one way and then you end up another way. You, 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 you started out going through hell and then you end up feeling like you in heaven. Because, because God has manufactured a work inside of you. And here's the miracle. Nothing on the outside has changed. Everything is still the same, but you've changed. Do, do I have a witness up in this house? You, 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 you have changed inside of a bad situation. And folk think you crazy because... You're able to stay in that situation and yet praise his name. And you're not praising him for the situation. You've learned to praise him in the situation. And the reason you can praise him in the situation, because you know you're coming out of the situation. Because you, you know, you know, you know, you know that God never leaves his children in bondage. Do I have a witness up in this house that 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 not only prayer and praise but is connected to purpose but warfare and worship 
is connected to perseverance. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll learn that worship always precedes warfare. Can I get a witness? That when you find yourself in warfare, being shot at from every direction, you, you got to start a worship service. I will bless the Lord at all times. The word all means up and down, in and out, good and bad. When, whatever's going on in my life, I've learned to worship him. Can I get a witness? A Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me. Do I have a witness? And you know, and you know when you're worshiping God, listen, even with your wounds, God's going to do something because you can't worship him without the name of Jesus. And once you mention the name of Jesus, heaven gets quiet. Heaven. Hush, hush, somebody's calling my name. Uh, do I have a witness? And, 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 and so warfare and worship is connected to perseverance and then wounds and wisdom is connected to promotion. Here in this text, as we repackage known information, James, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, who did not believe in Jesus during his earthly walk. His mother was Mary, his father was Joseph, and the reason he's the half-brother of Jesus is because Mary was Jesus' earthly mother, but Jesus had no earthly father. His father was God. He's the son of God, and he's God the Son. Can I get a witness? This is not James, the brother of John. He was killed in Acts chapter 12 when he was beaten the head, thrown off a temple. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And, and, and James is writing thematically on this, a practical theology of faith. I like that. Uh, it's, it's practical. It's easy handling. Can I get a witness? You listen to some people's faith, you get all confused. It's, it's practical. It's every day. It's down, amen, where people walk. It's a, it's, a, it's a practical book. In the first chapter, we see God's faithfulness through our wounds. Second chapter, we see God's faithfulness through our works. Third chapter, we see God's faithfulness through our words. Fourth chapter, we see God's faithfulness through our wars. And then the fifth chapter, we see God's faithfulness through our witness. That, that when you look at the connectivity in the first chapter of, listen to this, trials, trust, amen, and truth, it always leads to transformation. Amen. And, and, and then ultimately to triumph. And when we, when we look at this faith, fortitude, and fruitfulness in this chapter, there are four critical connections I want to bring out. Amen. In, listen to me, it starts in suffering, but it promotes a sufficiency. That in suffering, we can be sufficient. Do I have a witness? Now, the church does not preach and teach the unadulterated word of God systematically or, amen, verse by verse, expositorily, because people don't understand context. Yeah. 
You cannot grow on bits and pieces. Can I get a witness? And obviously, when you look at the first verse, James mentions his name in this amen epistle. And he says, a servant, a doulos, a slave of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, writing Hebraic Christians, Jews who scattered because of persecution. The scene is set. There is a lot of persecution going on because of Jesus. Ostracized. So James, in writing to these Hebraic Christians that were thrown out of the synagogue and ostracized by their own families and disowned in their country, towns, says, let me give you some encouragement in the midst of your struggle. Context is set. And one of the things that we will see first is we see trials and transformation connected. It's our first connection. That God uses trouble, the ellipsis, tribulations, that outside coming in circumstances that you and I have nothing to do with. I'm pausing purposely because our lives have already been determined. And there's some things in life that is going to come out of left field. You won't see it. You won't discern it. You won't feel it. But it'll come. And when it comes... God wants his children to know that he has a plan even for the problems. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what James begins to do is he first gives us, listen up, the perspective of the wind. Now, now, I have taught the book of James, I don't know how many times, verse by verse. I know the thematic thrusts, I know the historicity, I know everything that James is talking about, but as we repackage this, even in the creation of this sermon, I had to stop, pause, park, and give praise to a God who doesn't miss a step. Listen to this, he says, as he looks at this perspective of when, notice, he says, my brethren, I'm talking brothers and sisters in Christ, Count it, reckon it, all joy. Now, now stop, because we read too fast. Notice the most important word is not so much joy, it's all. Count everything coming in, all incoming bombs. Count them as joy. All incoming, as they come in, they'll go out joyfully. Count it all joy. Now, let me stop. You know, I try to be transparent and practical with Everything in my life that has happened that I deem to be bad, I had a hard time counting it joyful. 
The ministry ain't been totally joyful. The marriage ain't been totally joyful. My money ain't been totally joyful. My mind ain't been totally joyful. Can I get a witness? My upbringing, everything with my upbringing wasn't totally joyful. Am I talking to somebody up in here? News coming in every day is not always totally joyful. But my God says, here's your perspective, count it all. Calculate it all up and start praising my name. Count the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, the hurts, the hindrances, the history, and all the fractures and the wounds. Just put them all together and start praising me. Count it, 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 count it all joy. Hmm. Why, God? Look what it says. When ye fall into, here it is. What God is saying is, you didn't fall into this stuff haphazardly. You didn't fall into this stuff coincidentally. This stuff that you fell into was a divine directive. God permitted it. He had to sign off on it. You say, well, where you get that from? Well, go home and read the book of Job, first two chapters. Everything that Satan wanted to do against Job, he had to go to heaven, stand at attention, and get permission from God. I'm, I'm sick and tired of this doctrine of dualism that's being taught where Satan and God are, have this war going on. There's, there's no war. Jesus told Satan, I saw you fall like lightning. Can I, can I interpret that in the Greek and the English? I saw your butt getting booted out of heaven. You, the, the minute you acted up, there wasn't no gang war around God's throne. You was booted. You and a whole third of angels. Are you praying with me? See, 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 Satan is a prince. He's the prince of the power of the airways. Ephesians. And wherever there's a prince, there's a king somewhere. Do I have a witness? Jesus is king. Oh, I'm preaching up on this. But look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at. He, he's saying, look, look what he's saying. He's saying, when by divine directive you fall into these various periods of trouble. When you fall, not if, you're going to fall. Not, not if, not coincidental, not haphazardly. Stuff is going to happen because transformation can not only take place with truth. It needs trust and trials in order for you and I to change. We got to go through something and come out before God can really change us. God's got to prove who he is. He's king of kings. And you, you, you say, well, wait a, minute, wait a minute. He's Lord of lords. As the old folk used to say, uh, you got to know he's a lawyer in a courtroom. 
when you get in trouble, you got you to gotta watch Jesus pull you out. You got to know he's a doctor in the sick room. When your body's breaking down, he steps in and he brings healing. You got to know he's a psychiatrist with you on a couch. He can straighten out your thinking. Can I get a witness? And, and let's listen, child of God, he, he says, here's the perspective. These divine directors, when they come, when they come, you ought to praise him and joy. But here's the purpose, the why. Your trials has a design to them. To establish a dependence on almighty God. In other words, it's not an accident. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. Some good Christians said a coincidence is when God performs a miracle and remains anonymous. Mm. He gives perspective, he gives purpose, and then he moves into the perseverance. He says, when trouble, truth, amen, and trials merge, it brings about a perseverance, a continuance to keep moving. Can I get a witness? A struggle that turns into a strength, a pitfall that turns into a praise. Look what he does here. Count it all joy. In Abraham's life, Abraham's life was full of fear and foolishness, and God changed it into faith. In Jacob's life, he started out as a lie. Amen? And God ultimately gave him a limp as a change in his life. Moses' life started out with self-will and pride, and when God got through with him, he was meek. Can I get away? I, I, I remember when I was in Bible college in the 70s, I, I, I remember I, I did a study on the life of several biblical characters. Moses is one of them, and Josephus, the Jewish historian, uh, wrote on the historicity of Moses, and he said this. He said, Moses, of course, you, you, you remember the story, just, uh, 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 his, his, his mother and father, Abraham, and uh, 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 his, his mother and father put him in bulrushes in the river, Jochebed, Abraham, remember that? And he was fly, he was going up the Nile, and there was an edict to kill, you know, uh, an edict to kill all children. And, and just, just in time, the daughter of Pharaoh came out to the river and seen the baby and took the baby in and adopted the baby as her own. So Moses grew up in the palace. Moses grew up, amen, going to the best schools. Moses grew up knowing the wisdom of the Egyptians, how the pyramids were built. He he had technological advanced studies. He studied astronomy. Moses was filled with the wisdom of the Egyptians. Can I get a witness? He was somebody. In fact, Josephus says Moses was so great that when he walked up the street, women would leave their husbands to get a glimpse at him. Now that's great, Doc. Just, is, that, is that Moses? 
But child of God, when he killed an Egyptian and fled as a fugitive and was on the backside of a desert and there was a burning bush and he, he said, let me go see what this great thing is. And went up there. God said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. He said, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. In other words, you were somebody in Egypt, but you're nobody up here. Can I get a witness? I am the God of Abraham, and I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. Uh, can I get a witness? And, and, and I made promises 500 years that I'm getting ready to keep. Can I get a witness? And the Bible says Moses fell on his face, and he forgot about self. You come face to face with God, he'll change that stuff. He'll, won't he change you? Things you used to do, you won't do anymore. Places you used to go, you won't go anymore. You, you, hey, can I get a, and you know why Christians continue to sin? Because they have not metaphorically seen God. You ain't seen him. That's why you act stupid, because you ain't seen him. I'm going to say what I want to say. That's why you act ignorant, because you ain't seen him. That's why you don't tithe, because you ain't seen him. That's why you're not committed, because you don't see him. That's why you don't serve, because you don't see him. Can I get away? When you see him for who he is, you got to fall prostrate before his presence. You got to praise his holy and everlasting name. You got to be a witness. We see, we, see, we see trials and transformation connected. God will hurt you to help you. Mm. And see, this is why, and the church don't preach on this, if you saved and you got a mindset to sin, you on God's hit list. I'm, I'm not talking about mistakes. I'm talking about willful, premeditated sin. Because Jeremiah said where the carcass is, the eagle follows. Can I get a witness? And, and, and see, child of God, you only through teaching of the word are we instructed how to live. Yeah. Look at the second connection here. We see transitions and triumphs connected. Now, now first, in verse 2, it was count. Count it all joy. Now, it's don't cut. Look at verse 3. But <laughs> let patience. Verse 3 says, God, through your trials, what you're counting is that God has given you a perseverance. And don't, verse 4, watch this now, don't cut your God-sent trials short. My God. Don't cut them short. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I did the marriage counseling in this church, and I did this this morning, it was six months of counseling by a pastor, and I would intentionally get couples in my office and make them fight. 
not, not, not physically, but I would intentionally bring up the contrariness of a relationship so that they mentally and emotionally were exposed and exercised by it. So I would tell, I would tell a young lady, I'd say, write down five things you dislike about him. No, five things you love about him. And then write down five things you dislike about him. And then you do the same. So inevitably, because they are, quote unquote, as they say, in love, they could come up with five things they love, but they couldn't come up with five things they dislike. And I kept saying, give it time. <laughs> this list will grow to 25. Can I get a witness? Amen, amen. And so, and so we would... I, I would say to them that marriage is a negotiation and a process and a compromise. Can I get a witness? There, there's history involved. There's hurt involved. Come on now. There's hysterical thinking involved. Can I get a witness? And, and see, all, all, all the congregation sees is these beautiful, this beautiful bride with her rented dress coming up. The, the, the amen coming up the front and him with his rented tuck waiting for her, amen and they put on the ring and they kiss and the bridemaids and uh, the groom man and and all oh, is so beautiful and then some little child throwing rice or walking this and oh it's so beautiful excuse me that's called a wedding that's not called a marriage can I get a witness the marriage comes after the wedding. Now you got to learn and hear grunts. Now you realize that this person is human, subhuman. <laughs> now all the cloudy stuff is gone. You are face to face with what? Reality. Your prince in shining armor has turned to Darth Vader. Lord have mercy. You got something on your hands now. And what you said before God to death. Here's what he said. To death do his part. Three months later, this is dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to discourage you from getting married. I'm talking about the reality. That when you marry somebody, you are saying, I'm yours regardless of what you are, what you will become, what you show. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all in there. I'm messing up now, Doc. I'm messing up now, man. All the time you was dating, you was fine, and you get married, you'd be watching television, one of them going, Ooh. here we go, Doc. Check this out. Here's what God does through transitions. Let me say something very positive about all this. As you go through 
these changes in marriage as you fight together, as you struggle together, as you work through conflict together. You start to emerge as a settled, peaceful partnership. You start appreciating the other person. You know why? Because you've been through something. You see somebody good looking, you you ain't been through nothing with that person. Are y'all praying with me? I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm, I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to get you in this text. What God does, God, amen, God, amen, does the same thing. He is inputting data, allowing storms, allowing changes, erecting dependencies on him. Can I get a witness? So that we can persevere storms. Are you praying with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at this matter of transition and triumphs. Don't count, but don't quit. Not just count, but don't quit. Don't take shortcuts. And what he's basically saying is this. The question is, how do I know when my trouble is God appointed? How do I know when Satan is sinning and God is sinning? I'm glad you asked. First of all, they are God-driven. They come up suddenly from nowhere. Unexpected storms just pop up. Can I get a witness? No warning device, no discernment. Just, they just pop up. And, 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 and Abraham's life, Abraham, look, no faith, foolish, running out of air. And God allowed, God-given, a famine, chapter 13, to come, and he had to make a decision. He made a bad one. He went down to Egypt, lied about his wife, was out of fellowship, and started a whole lot of trouble that God had to free him from. God, God, God uses our failures to facilitate us. His Jonah told to go to Nineveh as a prophet. He went the opposite direction to Tarshish, so God suddenly brought up a storm. What was sleep? People that can sleep in a storm, they way out of the will of God. <laughs> and, 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 and he brought up a storm. Then, he, then God called up a fish to swallow him. Amen. People say, well, how, how can God... How can a whale swallow a man? That's not, you know, it's not illogical, but if because God is who he is, God could have got a porgy to swallow him. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? And, 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 and so he spit him out right at the door of Nineveh. Look at these transitions in the triumphs. Don't, don't miss this. Let patience, verse 4, have her maturing, teleos is the Greek word for perfect, maturing work that you may be mature and fully dressed. 
lacking nothing. Now, now, now let, me, let me give you some theology on this first. The theology is every time you go into trouble, God has already calculated out, if you're obedient, what it's going to do for you. When you cut short your trial, God doesn't kill you. He just brings it back so you can go through it again. Yeah, you know, there's no failure in Christ. So it's not like being in the seventh grade and failing the course. And No, 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 no. God said, ain't no failure in me. So, amen, you, you, you shortcut this. Now I'm going to allow this. All right. Mm-hmm. You left your first or second wife. Now you got a third one. So God says, now I will make you learn from the third what you failed to learn from the first two. Story of woman who story of woman whose husband died and she got remarried and she 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 just thought she was gonna be much happier. And one night she went to the graveyard and told her husband, get up. <laughs> <laughs> this one about to put me in the grave. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, look, 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 look at this. Thank you, Jesus. They, they are, they are God-driven. Let perseverance have her maturing work that ye may be mature and fully dressed entire, lacking nothing. Stay with the course. Don't cut it short. Some people keep running when life gets tough. Counseling them is easy. You just look at them and say, well, how many jobs have you had in the last 10 years? Eight. (laughs) Hmm. How many churches have you belonged to? Ten. That's a problematic situation. What, what it says, listen, what it says is that every time something does not meet your fancy, you're ready to duck and dodge. I'm going to make it plain. Can I get a witness? You're ready to duck and dodge. How many girlfriends have you had? Fifteen. That's problematic. Because if you marry him, you're going to be the 16th. Am, am, am I right? There's something that is hindering their stick-to-itiveness. And what it's called is immaturity. He says that you may be perfect, mature, lacking nothing. It spells that I have... Stability in my life. 
That's what it spells. I have stability. And when there's no stability, the Bible says I'm double-minded. There's a double allegiance where there's no stability. We got to learn to hang in there through hard times. I, I, I know we don't feel like it. I know, I, I, I know the world keeps running. You can't keep running. You got to, amen, at some juncture in your spiritual life, you got to, amen, make yourself stay and go through, come on now, and let God uh, make you where you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can't keep running. Guess what? Everybody's not wrong. And you're right. Uh-oh. I left my last church because the pastor, okay. What will be the verdict on me? It is problematic and it's indicative of people that are there for the wrong reasons. You get married for the wrong reasons. The real reason of getting married is not love. It's not feelings, it's support. It's, oh God. For God so loved the world that he let his son die on a cross. You think God wanted his son to die? No, it was functional and not feelings. Mature love is functional and not feelings. Am I preaching to somebody this morning? It is my job to take care of my family. That's functional. It's my job to raise my own children. That's functional. It's my job, amen, to put food on my table. That's functional. I, I, he, he, he deals with this transition and triumph connection here in verse 4. And, and, it's, and it's interesting because, amen, when you look at that, not only these trials are not only God-driven and God-directed, the, person is, the purpose is for maturity, Amen. But it brings about changes in you. <sighs> changes in you. I, I learned my greatest lessons in the context of hard times. Can I get a witness? How many of you say that? Greatest lessons. The more I learned in school was from tough teachers. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Hmm? Mm -hmm. Why is there a connection? Because they supersede your will. And you're forced to come out of yourself and out of your comfort zone in order to be compatible. Are you with me? That's why Paul says, man can't manage his own family. How can he manage the house of God? I only got three kids. 
There's thousands here. If, I can't, if I'm struggling with three kids, how am I going to deal with thousands? Are y'all, are y'all getting this? There, there is a maturing. There's a maturing work. Third, look, look, look at the third connection. He, we, we see a trust and a tranquility. Now, now, now I'm, I'm going right down the page. Look at verse 5. If any, now stop because contextually James is talking about trials. Every verse is not a verse to itself. In, 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 in systematic theology, there's two approaches. There's a deductive reasoning and an inductive reasoning. You start with the greater, go to the lesser. You start with the lesser, go to the greater. Here, listen, listen, listen. When, you, when you're studying context, he is saying the context, the theme has already been established in verse 2. He's talking about tough times and trials. When you get to the fifth verse, he's still talking about tough times and trials. If any of you lack wisdom while you're going through tough times and trials, ask God. Mm. Look, look what he says. He, it's, it's, it's a reconciling help. If you lack wisdom about your trial, your grief, your growth, his glory. What, 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 what is the reason for all of this? God says, just ask me. I'll reconcile your trouble because I'll tell you. And here's one of the things Christians got to be careful of. Every time a tough time comes in your life, it's not because you sinned. Many times it's because God has created a venue for you to get victory. And if you, see, see, the problem is we got to learn how to love. We got to learn how to give. And we got to learn how to forgive. Three things we got to learn. How to love, because we don't know how to love. How to give, we don't know how to give. And how to forgive. Now, the problem is we've only been taught how to forgive others. You've never been taught how to forgive yourself. Some of you come to church every Sunday with that guilt hat on about something that transpired in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Let it go. Forgive yourself. The Lord has forgiven you. Forgive yourself. Let, let yourself go because you're only chaining yourself. It's okay. Well, you don't know what I did. Don't need to know. There's power in the blood. Isn't there power in the blood? The blood of Jesus washes me clean as snow. There's power. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. He, he deals with this reconciling help. He deals with this yeah, receiving of help. He says, but when you pray, verse 6, if you really want disclosure, you better pray in faith. What is faith? Faith, faith. Look, look, God says, 
He that cometh unto him must come with faith. For without faith, Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible to please God. You got to believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Or you're double-minded. He says, when you come asking for this answer on your trials, your rationale of trials, Daniel prayed two weeks, didn't get an answer. Daniel chapter 10, he prayed two weeks, no answer. Daniel was a righteous man. Daniel's the only man that other prophets talked about in their books. Jeremiah talked about Daniel as a righteous man. Daniel was a praying man. He prayed, God didn't answer. His prayer was, what about my people, the Jews? What, what, what's going on? He, could, he didn't answer. And two weeks later, Gabriel come fly, Gabriel the angel came flying out of the sky and said, Daniel, I got your answer. I had it two weeks ago, but the prince of Persia, Satan, was in the sky preventing me to get down here. And I had to call back to heaven. And Michael, the archangel and other angels, fought him in the sky. Do you know Satan wants to block your prayers? Do you know Satan wants to extinguish your prayers? Do you know Satan wants to deal with your confidence? Look, look at the context. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. All right. Verse 7. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now this is not claimology. I need to throw this in there too. I'm sick of that doctrine too. Name it and claim it. You got Christians today that believe in naming and claiming it. God, no such animal. Amen. You can claim all you want. And you can name all you want. God chooses what's hitting and what's going to miss. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. I told you, I, I, I got a healing ministry here. 50-50. When I go to the hospital, 50% of them live and 50% of them die. Are you getting this? Why? Because Jesus is sovereign in who lives and who dies. There's no power in me. And I can have a black suit on, a white suit. I can have a blue suit. Doesn't matter. All I do is transfer, lay hands on you, put oil on you, pray. The rest is up to God. I wish I had a witness up in the house. Can I get a witness? In, in, in fact, if my stuff was that potent, I'd come every Sunday to the pulpit like this. <laughs> I need God to heal me. <laughs> uh. Now look at verse 9 and 11. We almost finished. Here's where we mess up. You would think he has changed subjects in verse 9. He hasn't. This thing of the low brother of low degree who rejoices, low degree means humility, who rejoices because he is spiritually exalted. And that's, 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 count, that's counter to the rich in that he will be made low and as the flower will fade away, perish and burn, 
It's still in the context of trials. When we go through trials, God says, get low. Humble yourself because you are in an exalted position. Unlike the rich who are not saved. And there are rich people that are saved. Can I get a witness? He, he, he's dealing with this rationale. And then the final stroke, and, and, and this is the stroke I was trying to get to, verses 12 to 15, is, listen to this, we see temptations and translations connected. Now look what he says in, in, in verse 12. Blessed, happy, that's what blessed means, is the man that endureth temptation. Now what is the temptation? Stop. Temptation is not sin. Oh, y'all getting quiet. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is a stimuli that needs your cooperation. It's an outside solicitation to do evil that needs the cooperation of your fallen nature in order for sin to take place. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. I keep telling you, if that fish underwater knew what was behind that hook, the hook got a juicy worm on it. And when that fish sees that juicy worm, he latches on to the hook, he gets hook, line, sinker, and frying pan. Now, if somebody had told that fish, don't fool with that hook, because behind it, let's just talk about what's behind stuff. See, God sees what's behind stuff. You can't see it. See, I ran that world. I, I, I was out there in that fast, dark lane. Can I get a witness? I, and, and look, there, there's some stuff behind stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind the good looks. Behind the pretty hair. Behind. Behind the behind, behind. There's there, stuff behind stuff that you 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 can't see. Somebody gotta preach this stuff, that turn your neighbor say behind. Oh Lord. You can't see what's behind that wrapper. You can't see what's behind. Yeah. I love, I love Cooley High. Cooley High reminds me of the 60s. How many of y'all saw Cooley High? Yeah. My, boss, my, my, my boy was talking to this girl and couldn't get through to her. She's real pretty. And his boy said, uh, what's wrong? You can't. He said, I ain't come up with the right lie yet. <laughs> he said, let me keep lying. I want to hit. You, you, you know, that's the way the world operates. Fact of the matter is, look at this. He says, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Now stop. There are, six, there are about six crowns. I'm going to preach on this. I've preached on it in years past. This is one crown. Don't expect pastor to get. And don't look at me funny because most of y'all ain't getting it either. It's when you've been tempted and have never given in.
<laughs> Jesus, Jesus be on, at, the, at the beamer seat. He said, okay, I'm giving out the crown of glory. And I just say, Lord, let me have a seat till you finish. But check this out. Hang in there with me. He says, which the Lord have promised to them that love him. Now look at this. Let no man say when he is tempted that I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. He deals with the origin, but then he deals with the operation. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and entice. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Amen. He deals with the origin, the operation, and the outcome. It's a stimuli. Pavlov. Remember his experiment? Stimuli. Here, 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 here's the stimulus. Satan produces stimulus knowing what's inside of you. He jingles that stimulus in front of you, everything you like. And that old nature starts gravitating to it. Oh, I'm trying to paint this picture. When the old nature hits the stimuli or the stimulus and they come together, God says that's sin. And sin that keeps going on will lead to death. I'm preaching now. I remember there was a film out. How many of y'all remember Fatal Attraction? Whenever you need somebody to play a sex role, it's Michael Douglas now. <laughs> Michael is the man. He was a lawyer. His wife went up to a mother's house in Connecticut. He strolled one Friday to the bar, to the club, and this fine, Glenn Close, this fine woman was at the bar. She was fine now. And he became vulnerable. Can I get a witness? And you know the story. To him, it was a one-night affair. To her, it was once-in-a-lifetime affirmation. To him, it was one night. To her, it was one life. To him, it was a feeling. To her, it was finality. To him, it was a temporary closeness. To her, it was a terrible craziness. Can I get a witness? Child of God, uh, that picture scared me. Because that woman was kooky as a clock. In fact, his wife had to kill her. Isn't that right? She destroyed his whole life over one night. One night. Oh my goodness. One night. She boiled the rabbit. She kidnapped the son or daughter. Come on now. She was crazy. 
And when you ain't walking with God, you're a fatal attraction. Because, yeah, if I randomly marry somebody without prayer, without seeking God's face, without hearing from God, I could marry a fatal. Some of y'all look crazy anyhow. Attraction. Mm. My God today, here's the deception of sin. And we actually think that we can go against God and get away with it. That's the deception. Be God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, we reap. Here's the real scary part. God just doesn't tell you when you're going to reap it. Every time you do something to somebody else, say something about somebody else, poison somebody, God says, pay back. What goes around comes around. Finally, in this text, he gives us delineation and discernment. He says, do not err, my beloved brethren. Here it is, every good gift, verse 17, and every perfect gift comes from above. Pure, perfect, persuasive, praiseworthy, no confusion. That's from God. That's from God. There's one other connection that I failed to mention. The connection of the curse, the cross, and the crown. Because of man's curse of sin, Jesus went to the cross and rose on the third day to justify all believers. And you're headed for a crown. Of all these connections, God says, I am so all-powerful and all-wise that I take whatever goes in and I determine what comes out. He's the out God. Ek in the Greek. E-K. He's the God who determines what's coming out of what you put in. That's why he's so awesome. Here's why I praise him because everything I put in, he didn't let it come out. Can I get a witness? He's good, he's faithful, he's merciful, he's compassionate because everything I did did not come back to haunt me. Can I preach this this morning? 
Every time I got filthy, every time I ran the wall, every time I did my thing before I knew Jesus Christ, God said, I'm going to let all this stuff come back and get you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to bless you in spite of you. Can I get a witness? Because he's a God of mercy. Isn't he a God of mercy? Did he bring you from a mighty long way? Did he turn your life around? Did he put you on a street called straight? And he was it. And he was it. And he was it. To be praised. Just stand on our feet. As every head is bowed, every eyes closed. If you need to be saved, the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins with burden rules again. He wants to save you. You got to place faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you want to be saved, just raise your hand. Just put your hand in the air. Or if you want to join a church for your Christian experience, raise your hand. Is there one? Is there one? I want to thank Brianna for the powerful testimony. Thank our young adult choir for the powerful singing. And now, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Oh, come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. You're going down there. Look at that. Father, wife, and son. Look at Jesus. Oh, Lord. Lord. Praise Jesus. Is there another? Is there another? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all of these connections. These connections that cause us to grow. These connections that cause us to become mature. That you take all incoming interference and you work it out. Thank you for our transformation. Thank you for changing us. Thank you for challenging us. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, sweet communion, bless the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each of us both now and forevermore. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Wednesday, come to call us. Saturday, we're in Wildwood. We love you. Have a great day.